I, I want this morning uh, to get it right into the Word of God. We have a lot to cover. Uh, so you can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. But while you're turning there, today is the day of Pentecost. I, we'll get into preaching the Word. Uh, I'm going to do some teaching before I do some preaching, if that's okay. I, I like our people to be educated. I like our church to know in whom they believe and know what they believe. I, I know Pentecostal folks that can't even tell you what Pentecost means. And I want you to, underst- I want you to have an understanding of what Pentecost means. And uh, so we, we'll do some teaching on the uh, Feast of Pentecost because there are three major feasts. Uh, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles that, that were celebrated. And we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you cannot separate Passover and Pentecost. Uh, they're inseparable. Yeah, well, let me, you can have, and we'll get into this, you can have Passover without Pentecost, but you can't have Pentecost without Passover. It's impossible. And you'll understand why when we, when we get done here this morning. Uh, but before we go there, uh, I, you know I am um, not big on trying to address current events. And I try to stay in my lane. God's called me to preach the gospel. And I try to preach the gospel. But uh, I, I think as a body of believers, uh, we're, we're sickened and heartbroken by the things that we witnessed this week. Uh, uh, and and I, I just, you know, I, I, want to, I want to go on record, it shouldn't be required, but to say that we, we universally condemn that level of injustice and that form of injustice. And if you struggle with that statement in any manner, you need to pray about it. But I don't think you do. I think our, I think our, our, our people, I, it, it put me in mind of Isaiah 59. And the, the Bible says that God uh, looked down and justice had fallen in the streets. And righteousness, let me, let me rephrase that, truth had fallen in the streets. Righteousness stood afar off and justice turned its back. And God looked and there was no one to stand up. And so he put on righteousness as a breastplate. And as we talked about last week, he became the embodiment of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And he came and brought back and restored justice. The only way justice is turned away is when truth is cast down. We as the body of believers are charged with handling the good news, the gospel, the truth. And it's our place to restore that gospel to a prominent place in our society. Because only where truth is exalted will justice work properly. Uh, So 
I, I, you know, that, that, is, that is our role. I, I don't want to see, I don't want to see, I, I, I have to be careful because I know, I know that I'm a white man. And um, I don't want to say anything that feels like I'm being hypocritical or out of place. Uh, I, but my heart is break, broken and, and I'm sickened by the events. So, uh, as, as are many. So, um, we, we just pray blessing and protection and guidance. And we want to be uh, available in any way that God calls on us to function. So, in fact, let's just take a quick moment. Father, right now, Lord, touch our land. God, we condemn brutality, violence. Holy Spirit. God, if the church prays, if the church looks to you, humbles themselves and prays, God, your word declares that you will hear our prayers as we turn from our wicked ways and heal our land. I don't know that our land has ever needed healing any more than it does right now. Father, Holy Spirit, God, we know that we live in a, a dispensation of grace and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we just ask that over our nation right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. The, um, uh, all over the country we we were a little ahead of the curve we started regathering a couple of weeks earlier than many not all um doesn't mean any more than that we just started regathering a couple weeks earlier than than some uh but today seems like at least uh from my circle of colleagues and those that I know, today seems like the biggest relaunch day of churches regathering. And I'm grateful for that. And uh, churches are coming, but many of them purposely tied their regathering in with Pentecost, uh, which was the birth of the New Testament church. And, uh, and, and so they, they've tied their relaunch or regathering. I'm careful not to call it relaunch, but they're regathering uh, in with they some are not some are still a week or two out and again uh, every church every congregation every situation is different uh, so uh, I'm just stating facts uh, so we 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 as you know get regathered uh, May 10th which was again uh, a little earlier than most but I'm grateful this morning that churches around the world and around this country this nation in particular are gathering this morning and are praying for our nation. And we're grateful for that because while I'm thankful that God has allowed us to use the means of Internet, it, as I've, we've talked about a lot in the last few weeks, 
it does not take the place of what we're having right here, right now. You know, so you 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 know, we're, I'm grateful for it, and, and we've got some watching online right now. And God bless you, thank you for that. But we need to be as where we can, when we can, together in fellowship. And and I, I think Pentecost is a good place to to point that out at because the Bible says they were all in one place in one accord. Uh, you know, they weren't separated, they weren't divided, they were all in one place in one accord. Um, I, I think before I, I read, well, I'll go ahead and read the scripture and then I'll back up and give it some context. So let's just go ahead and read Acts chapter 2. beginning at verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which, in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues. The wondrous works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocked, saying, They are all full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it came to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my maidservants... I'm sorry, on my men servants, on my maid servants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. <clears throat> that was, I, I want us to focus on that first phrase of that scripture. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. The day of Pentecost had been coming. It had been coming for about 1,500 years. It had been coming. It has been on its way. They had been celebrating it annually, and it had partially come. But in Acts chapter 2, it says the day of Pentecost now had fully 
come. Now, I, to understand that phrase, we've got to go back and understand the origins of Pentecost. And that's what I want to spend a little bit of time on this morning. Pentecost happened when uh, Moses, you'll remember, was, was dwelling in the desert place. And God appeared to him with a burning bush, sent him to Egypt to set his people free, to liberate them from slavery. We, we know the story of the Passover where they had to slay a lamb and paint the blood of that lamb on the doorpost of the house. And then when the death angel would pass over, that was a sign that the toll of death had already been paid for that house. There was not an additional toll of death due from that home. Can I tell you that that is a rich statement? So when the death angel passes over your life, if the blood of Jesus has already been applied, it sends a signal, the death toll has already been paid. This house has already been redeemed. This soul already belongs to me. They began their journey on Passover out of Egypt. They went out into the wilderness, the Bible says, to worship. They went out, so there's, that's important too. They went out to worship. Now, 50 days, the Pentecost is seven weeks and one day from Passover. Seven full weeks, and then on the next day is the day of Pentecost, the 50th day. So there's 49 days plus Pentecost becomes the 50th day after Passover. So Pentecost sets its clock on the Passover. It it begins at the moment the Passover takes place. That's when the clock starts ticking. And so 50 days later, Moses was ascending the mount and they gave the law was being given and God gave them the instructions of the feast of weeks now it also is the now they they were already having a feast of weeks they they were already had a harvest celebration but God transformed the meaning of it and taught them about Pentecost so Pentecost originally was set in place at the marking of the beginning of the giving of the law. It is, I, it, is, it is noteworthy that on the exact same day, thousands of years later, God birthed the New Testament church. So the law was birthed in the Old Testament on Pentecost. And grace... In the New Testament church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was birthed on Pentecost, the exact same date, thousands of years later. See, there is an order to Scripture. When you follow it out, you can understand uh, the, the, the meaning and the undergirding of, of Scripture. And so it's very important uh, because uh, that's why I said you can have the Passover the blood sacrifice, 
without Pentecost. But you cannot have Pentecost without the blood sacrifice. Let, let, me, let me make that real to you now. You can have salvation without the baptism of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the overflowing of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, the, the, that doesn't mean because at salvation, the Spirit of God indwells us, but at Pentecost, he overflows us. If I had a cup up here that was filled with water, and it wasn't a clear cup, uh, you wouldn't know that it was filled with water unless I added more water and it spilled over the sides and it would show that that's a full cup of water. So what spills over the sides is what? The evidence of what's inside. So what, what pours out of us as the body of Christ is the evidence is, the, is the, uh, the physical evidence of what already infills us on the inside. And that's where Pentecost comes from. That's where, it, the Pentecost, that's why I said when we were taking up the offering, I was, well, I can't say I was totally joking. But I said Pentecost is all about the overflowing. Now, it also was in a very real way in the Old Testament because, again, I want our folks to know what they're talking about. Somebody ever asks you, 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 you call yourself Pentecostal. What does Pentecost even mean? I want you to say, well, sit down a minute, and I'll explain it to you. Uh, Pentecost was, the, was when the harvest wheat was ready to be harvested. And uh, so oftentimes you'll see sheaves of wheat as signs of Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost is when the grain harvest was ready to be harvested. So if, if Passover, if Jesus, the Bible says, was what? the first fruits. So if Passover was the seed, then Pentecost is the harvest. So what was planted here was reaped here. So uh, Pentecost is all about the harvest. Now we see samples of that in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was different. The Holy Spirit would come upon men. And they would do great exploits. Um, but it didn't indwell them. It would rest on them, but it didn't indwell them. Pentecost is about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It is when Christ now has made way. It is also, there, there's another uh, term that's used in conjunction with, with Pentecost. And I can't remember what it is. It's a, obviously a Jewish term. But it deals with a gift from a bridegroom to his bride that would serve as evidence that he is coming back. And uh, the Holy Spirit is that gift from Jesus to us. It's the evidence, first of all, that he made it to the Father. And it's the evidence that he is coming back and to keep us during that time. It is the the, the keeping grace of God. So, uh, so, so it's, a, it's all about the harvest. And, and so Pentecostal folks ought to be about the harvest. And, and serving God in the harvest field and reaping the harvest field. That's why. And, and can I tell you, you cannot have Pentecost with, with, with disunity. Unity is also a work of the Holy Spirit. 
let me let me get back to my teaching on the original Pentecost because there there are a lot of foreshadowing events that lead up to the New Testament Pentecost. I'll, I'll hit on one uh, when when Moses had taken the people out of uh, Egypt and was complaining to God because they were all murmuring and complaining about him. And, and Moses says, oh God, what have I done? Have I given birth to all these thousands of people? Why have you put this burden on me? I, I, I heard a Jewish pastor teaching on that scripture, and he said it's the perfect Jewish dialogue uh, that Moses is talking to uh, God about this burden of childbirth that he has placed on him and what has he done to deserve such a horrible thing. And God, the Bible says, took of his spirit and put it on 70 of the elders. Two of the elders weren't present at the time that they put the spirit, God took of the spirit and anointed the 70, and they all began to prophesy to take the burden off because the burden was too big for one man. So they began to take the burden off of Moses and prophesy, and two of them wasn't, were not without the camp, and they were within the camp, but yet they at the same time received the, the, the infilling, the, uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and they began to prophesy. And uh, some of them came to Moses and says, uh, these two men are in the camp, your two elders are in the camp, and they're prophesying, and you better stop them. And Moses said, oh, no. I would that everyone... <laughs> would prophesy. This is too great a burden for one man. I will not stop anyone that's willing to be used of God. And that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. God now, so, so if, if, if God took of the spirit of Moses and put it on Joshua, and he took of the spirit of Elijah and he put it on Elisha, then God took of the Holy Spirit after Christ's death and, and put it in the church and infilled the body of Christ so that we now have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Pentecost is all about. So uh, now you understand uh, where we get the subject, where we get the topic. of It's more than just speaking in other tongues, although that is what we were talking about while ago when we were talking about the overflowing of the water. That is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is scriptural, um, that's consistent, that's truth, that's doctrinal, that is the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. However, if, if it's just that, then it's not enough. If it's just a, a title over your denomination or fellowship, it's not enough. If it hasn't made its way down into your spirit, into your soul, if it hasn't overflowed and bubbled out of your very being, and the Bible, Jesus talked about, out of your belly should flow rivers of living water. If that's not happening, then what you call Pentecost is insufficient to reach the definition of what the Word of God calls Pentecost. Pentecost has to be about reaping 
the harvest. And Jesus said in Acts 1, I didn't read that to you, but Jesus said in Acts 1 that when, the, when Pentecost comes, you shall become what? Witnesses. I believe he's talking about more than what we say. I believe he's talking about a lifestyle that is a witness of the power of God. And if your lifestyle, what is a, I'm glad that God called me to be a witness. Because all a witness has to do is speak of things that they have seen and experienced. They don't have to justify it. They don't have to explain it. They just speak truth. Your lifestyle ought to speak an expression of what God has done in your life. Your, your, your lifestyle ought to speak of a God that's able to heal the sick. I, I, I was so glad a couple of weeks ago that Sister Cece shared her testimony of the power of God touching her body and healing her body because we need those testimonies throughout this building. Sister uh, Sandra called me this week. And, and is it all right if I share your testimony, Sandra? And Sister Sandra called me this week and said she came forth for prayer last week because she'd been having shortness of breath and some problems with, uh, because if you'll remember, she'd had some heart trouble uh, a couple of years back. And she didn't want uh, to have to go any deeper into uh, heart issues. And, and uh, so, she, but she had, has another doctor's appointment scheduled and she wanted these symptoms to go away. And by Monday, she went for a walk and that same walk that would have left her breathless didn't even take her breath. Hallelujah. Why? Because there's still power in the Word of God. And what God used to do, God still does. Amen. And I'm thankful this morning because there's some of us here this morning that, um, that may need a touch in our body. I, it, was, it was just a, uh, two years ago, a year and a half ago, uh, the last time Deesa hurt her leg. That, that God miraculously touched and healed her Achilles tendon right here at the, at, at the altar and she left her crutches that she had to use to walk here behind because God touched and healed her body. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that is the witness. That is the power of Pentecost that needs to be going forth today. Yeah, we can also witness with our mouth, but let's demonstrate that there is a power. There is a God at work today. And the same God that was healing a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, two thousand years ago, that same God hasn't advocated the throne. He is still on the throne today. And if he ever done it before, he can still do it now. If God delivered people from uh, injustice before, God can deliver people from injustice today. God is a God that doesn't need anybody to vote on anything. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, God's not up for election. He doesn't have to worry about a popular vote. Or an electoral vote. <laughs> God is God all by himself. 
God, that's why when the Bible says God created things and he would look down on them and he would look to his left, he would look to his right, there'd be no one there to disagree with him and he would declare, it is good, hallelujah. I just did it, I declared it, I justified it. Why? Because I'm God all by myself. I'm glad I serve a God that's God all by himself. So because of the power of Pentecost, because Pentecost has been poured out and it has fully come. So it fully came. I don't know if I finished developing that for you. So it fully came, the obvious implication, on Calvary. When was Jesus crucified? During the feast of... See, this stuff makes sense. Jesus was crucified at Passover, became the seed offering, became the first fruit, the Bible says, of the dead. And, uh, and so then we now have 50 days, count 50 days forward. Uh, Jesus had his disciples waiting up in the upper room and praying until the Holy Spirit filled the place. And so, because Pentecost, so that's when uh, Pentecost fully came. Up until then, it had, only, it had only been a foreshadow of something greater that was yet to come. So, uh, that's last week's message. I'm not, I'm not going to preach that again. <laughs> um, to understand Pentecost, you have to understand its origin. We've done that. Uh, so, because of Pentecost, we have a united church. You want to tear a church apart, give disunity a space. You want to stop the flow of the Holy Ghost in church, let disunity have spot, have place. Have brothers and sisters in the church that you can't stand to be around. If you've got somebody in the church, now that's not saying you have to be best friends with everybody. Everybody's got different personalities. You want to have better friends than other friends. But if you've got somebody in the church that you literally just cannot stand to be around, you've got a problem. Not only do you have a problem, you're bringing a problem. You're bringing a problem to the church. And that's why I need to urge you, make it right. <laughs> go to that brother, go to that sister, deal with it. Because as long as there's disunity, there cannot be an outpouring of Pentecost. He flows when the body of Christ is united. That's why the Bible says they were all in one place in one accord. They weren't running down each other. They had prayed through everything. They'd been up there waiting for, uh, for 40 days. They, they, they'd waited long enough. And so uh, they had worked out whatever differences they had. So we have a united church. One of the things I love about our church is its diversity. And honestly, I love that when people point it out. Because it, I take it so for granted, I don't just, I don't look at people and think, wow, we're very diverse. 
it's always very comfortable and, and makes me feel good uh, when we have a guest speaker or a missionary come in. And they'll say, man, I love the diversity of your church. And say, yeah, we are pretty diverse. Because what I see is brothers and sisters in Christ. White, Hispanic, Latino, black, African-American, whatever the background. I see brothers and sisters in Christ. That we're joining arm in arm and we're walking through this thing together. Men and women that's got my back and I got their back. So I, I love that because that is a sign of Pentecost. The sad reality of the matter, of the truth is, and I don't know how to, to make this work. The most racially divided hour in this nation is still Sunday morning. I don't know how to make that work. I, I mean, as a younger man, I've heard different things about different cultures and you know, different people worshiping differently. But then I found out we all just want to worship God. We all just want to worship God. And uh, so I, I don't know how to, to justify that. So, uh, but but I, what I am seeing is those barriers and those walls coming down. And I'm so grateful for that. So what we have as a result of Pentecost is a united church. Uh, what we have as a result of Pentecost is a witnessing church. We have an emboldened church. Peter stood up uh, and said, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Well, Yeah, but Peter was a powerful preacher, was he? (laughs) He turned out to be a pretty powerful preacher. He didn't start out a pretty powerful preacher. He started out a betrayer, a denier. He started out by disqualifying himself to even be considered a follower of Jesus. Yeah, but that was years earlier, was it? (laughs) Yeah, a little over a month earlier. (laughs) This guy that stood up in front of a crowd of people and said, what? You better listen to what I'm going to say. Heed my words. You think, well... He must have everything down. No, but he knows what he's talking about because he hadn't forgotten where he just came from. There's not a lot of difference sometimes in what's going on up here than what's going on out there. When I tell you, as Peter, you better listen to me and repent of your sins and let God restore your life It's not telling you something that I've learned in theology. It's not telling you something I've learned in a Bible school. It's telling you something that I have walked out in my life and I have known the restorative power of God. You better heed my words. 
Why? Because I've been emboldened to be a witness. Because I know what God has done for me. The one thing that irritates me probably more than most anything else, and it's more common than I, than I originally thought it was, but it's people that forget where they come from. And, and, and bring in a pharisaical mindset. And I want to say, are you kidding me? I, well, boy, it gets quiet. There's quiet times in church. <laughs> but did you see what brother so-and-so did? I cannot believe he said that. I cannot believe he did that. I cannot believe. Well, you better believe it because that was you just a little while ago. But by the grace of God, (laughs) maybe that wasn't your bondage. But maybe he wouldn't be able to believe some of the things you did. So why don't we just do this, put it under the blood, (laughs) pray for one another, and say, I cannot believe that God is able to forgive us and restore us, yet I know in whom I have believed. Hallelujah. I I, I know I've shared, I'm going to close, I'm going to not close, don't get excited. I'm going to close this point with, with my friend, that was, and I've shared this before, that uh, was a chaplain in the Clay County Jail when that Harold guy that had killed that little girl several years ago was locked up in jail, Jared Harold. And um, what was the little girl's name? Oh, y'all know it. Um, it's, oh, uh, I can't remember her name. And I'm sorry I said his name without remembering her name because she's the more important one in the story by far. Cherish. Sharon. Um, yes. He was, he was in the local jail and he requested a chaplain visit. And my friend is like you and I. He loves Jesus. And to test sin. And he said, I don't know how I can go talk to this guy. I want to put my hands around his neck and choke the life out of him like he did that little girl. Because that's what justice calls for, right? How can I go minister to him How can I, sounds a little bit like Jonah, how can I tell him about Jesus because maybe he'll accept Jesus and repent and and turn his life around and that won't be fair. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't know how gracious he was, (laughs) but he went and visited him. He gave him some devotional materials. I don't know the end of that story as far as where the guy ever ended up spiritually. But again, the story is not about him. It's about the power of God to be a witness to the vilest 
of mankind. Because but by the grace of God. Let's not forget your story, your history tells a story. The trajectory that you've been put on is by the grace of God. You're sitting here today but by the grace of God. Don't be afraid to let the power of the Holy Spirit share that witness with somebody. How many of you in here have ever been intimidated to witness? I don't know enough scripture. You know, this person is so intelligent. Listen, what they need to hear is what has God done in your life? If God, you, you, listen, you can keep divert. They'll, they'll keep trying to divert the, the subject. And you keep bringing it right back. I don't know about all that. Those are good questions. We can look into that together. I just want you to understand that God saved me when I was lost. That God filled me with the Holy Spirit. That I, when I wasn't worthy, God touched me. Yeah, but what about once saved, always saved? Well, that's a good conversation. Let's have that later. Let me just tell you what God did in my heart. What God did in my... Why? Because what God is looking for is somebody that's got the power of the Holy Ghost deep down and a conviction in their spirit that's allowing it to spill out to the outside. Don't let the enemy intimidate you. There's a lot of things. Listen, don't worry about getting tripped up on things that theologians have been stumbling with for hundreds of years. (laughs) You just be a witness. You don't have to say what happened before you showed up on the scene. You don't have to say what happened to somebody else. All you've got to tell, this is what I know. This is what I've seen. This is what God's done in my life. And if you want God to do that in your life, he said, after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, I will give you power to witness. So because so we are an emboldened church. We are an empowered church. <laughs> I, I said one of my pet peeves is, is, is people that forget where they come from. But I'll tell you another pet peeve of mine. is people that try to make light of the power of God by not allowing the power of God to complete their deliverance. Because you're not going to convince me that God is not able. And you're not going to convince me that God cannot. So all you can convince me of is you're not willing. It might take riding the altar every week from now until eternity, but I want you to understand that God is able to set you free if you will let him. If you will let God get into the depths of your heart and transform you. Why? Because we serve a God that is a God of all power. We serve a God that does not know defeat. We serve a God that cannot lose a battle. We serve a God that... that demons tremble when he shows up on the scene and sin is washed clean by his blood. We serve a God that is able to restore the vilest of sinners and make them... 
the Peters, the apostles, the leaders. When Jesus needed Peter the most, when Jesus needed a friend, the one that was dying for the world, that had given his life for all of humanity, the one that just the night before, Peter said, Everybody in this whole world may deny you. These other uh, ten guys. I've kind of had my eye on them anyway, Jesus. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe we need to get to a new crew. <laughs> I can't tell you. They may deny you. Yeah, that doesn't shock me. But Peter, when you, Jesus, when you need me, I'll be there. The Bible says that as they were beating Jesus, as they were questioning Jesus, as they were torturing Jesus, and Peter was in earshot of Christ. And they said, aren't you one of his followers? And Peter said, not me. I never knew that man. Can you imagine the look exchanged between Peter and Jesus? First of all, the look of Jesus was of pure love. And the terror in Peter's eyes, the Bible says as he fled from that place. That's why on Easter morning, when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, go tell my disciples and make sure you tell Peter. Yes. Why? Jesus still considered Peter a disciple, but Peter no longer considered himself a disciple. Can I ask you a question this morning? Have you ever failed Christ so miserably that you felt in your heart I no longer have the right to call myself a follower of Christ. There's no way he'll forgive me for what I've done. You don't have to raise your hand because that's one of the oldest tricks in the book of the enemy is guilt and condemnation. Jesus is sending you a word this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit that I have power over that sin. I have power over that shortcoming. Yes, Peter, we, we, we're not even going to debate the fact that you let me down. We're not going to debate the fact that you denied me, that you broke one of the cardinal rules that you denied even knowing Jesus Christ. Maybe your sin isn't that bad. Maybe it is. I don't know. But my point is because we are a church of Pentecost, that we exist after Pentecost has fully come. We're an empowered church. And that God has power 
over sin, sickness, and the grave. I want you to bow your heads this morning. I've preached messages on Pentecost before and people have come to me after service and say, we didn't even realize that we were Pentecostal. We didn't know what that means. We, we, we've heard the term Pentecostal and it's been usually derogatory. But I want you to know that your Assemblies of God and Assemblies of God's not only Pentecostal, we're the largest Pentecostal fellowship in the world. So you are very Pentecostal. by name on the door but can I tell you you aren't a Pentecostal in nature until you've allowed the Holy Spirit to fill you to overflowing hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning, and you say, Pastor, I want the power of Pentecost to fill my life. I, I well let's let's back it up. Let's let's do this in twofold. I need I need Passover. I need salvation. If you're here this morning. And, and you, you want Jesus Christ's blood to be applied to your life so that you're eligible to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right where you are, slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Okay. You've, you've accepted the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The death angel has passed over your house because the death toll has already been paid. But now you want to have power to be a witness. Now you want to have the power to function and to live in a manner pleasing to your Lord and Savior. And you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you slip your hand up this morning? Bless you. Bless you. See a couple of hands this morning. I want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to teach people. I, I know that there are people that will tell you that they can teach you how to speak in tongues I don't know how to teach people how to speak in tongues I think only God does that I think only the Holy Spirit but I, I, I want you to understand that we can have the gifting of the Holy Spirit and we can pray in a heavenly language we can sing in a heavenly language we can prophesy in a heavenly language 
I want you to understand that that activity can still happen this morning. And, and all I know to tell you to do is surrender to the Lord. Know that it can happen and then surrender to the Lord. I, I've tried to learn. I, I, I have no aptitude to learn foreign languages whatsoever. I struggle with English. But I do know that when people have tried to teach me certain words in other languages, that I have to put forth the effort to try to speak forth what is being spoken to me. So as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, just, just be willing. The Holy Spirit's not going to take control of your voice, your vocal cords, your tongue. He's going to infill you and, and, and you're going to feel words coming out of you and the, and the more you allow that to function and to flow the more fluid and functional you'll, you'll become in that I, I, I could share testimonies but I'm not going to do that thank you Jesus for opening up the floodgates I quoted you at the beginning of the scriptures this morning in Isaiah 59 where we're talking about justice and righteousness. That same chapter is where uh, the Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. God, raise up your standard right now in this house. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray over the body this morning as we go our way. Lord, that you will go with us. God, your keeping grace will be upon us. Lord, that you'll keep us, watch over us, and bring us back to the next appointed time together. In Jesus' mighty, precious name we pray. Amen and amen.